Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Terry. I'm really excited. I have a wonderful author here today and we're doing a special Black History program. I am speaking with author Wanda Lee Stevens, the author of 50 Years of Assimilation. And we're just going to talk about um, what inspired um, Wanda to write her book and we're just going to um, just get some real enlightenment on just what's going on in terms of perhaps race relations um, as it stands in 2017. So we're going to jump right in. So um, Wanda, first of all, thank you for coming to the set of Real Talk with Terry. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, so we're going to just jump right in. So my first question is... Um, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What inspired you to write your book? Well, um, being a woman that was born in 63, which is the year of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, mm -hmm. and essentially inheriting the dream, I thought it would be very interesting on the 50-year anniversary of that to look back 50 years, um, which was in 2013 when I began, and just kind of document how the dream played out in my life. So I wrote the book as a series of letters to Dr. King to share with him my journey. Awesome. Okay. So your title, um, first of all, I love your book cover, Thank 50 you. Years of Assimilation. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Thanks. So the, the artists, they did a wonderful job Thank with you. the artwork. So I'm going to pull a word out that's sort of not really a hot button, but it's one of those words, assimilation. Mm -hmm. And for me, sometimes when I hear the word assimilation, it can evoke a negative emotion or a, a, a kind of a negative feeling for me. Mm -hmm. So I just want to ask, um, because that's a huge part of your title, 50 Years of Assimilation. Mm -hmm. So for you, how do you reconcile this in your book? Well, well if we think about the history of African Americans here in the country, you know, slavery started in 1619 and then it wasn't until 1865 when the Emancipation Proclamation was written. Um, went into effect, I should say, it was written prior to that. And then from 1865 until 1964, we were in basically Jim Crow, right? So mm -hmm. from 64 until present day, we African Americans were technically free to move about and assimilate into the country. We couldn't just be in our communities because right. those that were very strong um, and uh, prosperous and powerful like in Oklahoma mm -hmm. um, were burnt down and tore down. So we right. essentially had to assimilate into the dominant culture, yes. which was the white culture of our country, our own birth country. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what it's been about for the mm -hmm. last 50 years, assimilating. We were literally just 50 plus years from the Civil Rights Act. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So um, you brought up a, a good point and I just think it's something that um, not enough people really, um, I don't know, I don't want to say know about, but for me, it's not talked about enough, and that is Oklahoma City. They call it the, what, the first, the, well, Black Wall Street? Black Wall Black Street, Wall yeah. Street. And I remember seeing a documentary about that, and I was just so embarrassed that I didn't even hear about that until, until my adulthood. Mm. And I was like, where was this kind of stuff? Why is this not in textbooks? And why wasn't I taught this much younger, at a much younger age? Mm -hmm. I didn't even hear of a Black Wall Street until, like I said, well into my adulthood. And then I saw a documentary about it and was just intrigued because, quite honestly, you know, there were probably lots of like little Small black towns. wall streets absolutely mm -hmm. all over in Florida. Absolutely mm -hmm. all over the United States. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
that being said, um, and, and we all know, m most know the tragic way that it ended. Mm -hmm. um, in response to that, um, what, what, what would you say, um, why isn't stuff like that taught in schools or why isn't that assimilated into public education? <laughs> or even, let's think of something that's in the news right now, hidden figures. Mm -hmm. Most of us mm -hmm. are just hearing about these dynamic women. Right right now yes. in 2016 and 2017 mm -hmm. and I was like why didn't we hear about that before now so like why is that kind of stuff not woven into the fabric of what our kids are taught in oh. terms of American well, history? You know the answer is racism and the answer is um, the superiority and the fact that people um, that want to remain a dominant culture, meaning control the other peoples of the planet, mm -hmm. will hide those facts so that you don't know your own history necessarily, mm -hmm. so that you don't know where you came from mm -hmm. and how powerful you are. But mm -hmm. the mere fact that we survived slavery, Absolutely. Uh, over 270 years of it here, right. demonstrates our power, that in and of itself mm -hmm. alone. So, it, you know, that's mm -hmm. the, the question is who the person that wants to, the people that want to remain in power want to remain dominant and the way to do that is to control the minds mm -hmm. and if you, you can control your minds if you don't know your history and if mm -hmm. you don't have the confidence and knowledge that uh, who you belong to right. and first off and uh, what you can do as a right. people yeah so what would you and I'm kind of just I'm going just a little bit sideways and I'm coming right back okay. so what would you <laughs> recommend um, as a parent I have small children, you have teenagers. What would you recommend a parent such as myself do to kind of pull these nuggets out? Like what can we do to like grab that information and share it? You know, is it, you know, I know in books. In books. In books. Books is, yeah. I mean, and your family for one, start right. there. I mm -hmm. mean, the mm -hmm. folks that you know, your Absolutely. grandparents and your great grandparents, hear their stories, listen mm -hmm. to them, record them. Right. Know? Um, we have some powerful family history stories and they're not all, you know, famed in glory and filmed, you know, we don't get all the wonderful um, experiences that our ancestors went through. If you can, I don't know how many generations you can go back, I can find five on my uh, mother's side and three on my dad's side, so wow. I'm hoping to dig some more research and do a little more um, family tree history mm -hmm. as well. Um, share with your kids, mm -hmm. talk to them, you know, the books, there's, there's a plethora of books, fortunately, right. about great African-American lives. And James Baldwin was one of the inspirations mm -hmm. for this book also when he wrote Jam the, James Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When he wrote The Fire Next Time. Okay. That was like, awesome. Yeah. Got it. Okay, yeah. great. Those are wonderful suggestions. Mm -hmm. So, But there's so, a lot. I just there's a lot. thought about that one. Because no, and, and for me, that's a good point because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I must admit, probably when I was growing up, I don't know if we had as many resources, as many recorded mm -hmm. resources. Mm -hmm. As many things documented in books or whatever. Um, another one that I'm thinking of, the um, Henrietta Lacks, mm -hmm. Gila Cells. Mm -hmm. Again, mm -hmm. something that yeah. I didn't learn until yeah. I started reading her book. And I, I mean, it, I, it was just an amazing story. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, books, and you know, it's nice that some of these stories are coming to light in movies. So it's kind of opening up the audience or whatever. So, those are wonderful suggestions in terms of how parents, how we can enlighten our children to the contributions of African Americans to society. Yeah. So my next question, um, and my phone went dark on me, but it's all good. <laughs> That's technology for you. Um, 
So my next question um, kind of goes right into that. Um, what does it mean to be black in modern day America? 2017, we're, you know, we're kind of on the other side of um, post-racial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, it's so, it's, it feels good to say that, but it's like, are we really? So there has been some progress, mm -hmm. but we're nearly not there, as you can see with the current political climate of things and what's the real meaning behind make America great again right. um, and America first. What does it truly mean? Uh, where do we fit into that picture um, is a real concern. Right. Um, but I think that it was important for me to kind of circle back to my story and what I wanted to share mm -hmm. was to just talk about um, what the average African-American life was like. As I, the full title was 50 Years of Assimilation from the Midwest, which I'm from Detroit, Michigan, mm -hmm. to the Wild West and all the blackness and whiteness in between because it was an actual um, journey to explore the country in that way to, to again, come into a society where we now have free and open access and to go to be that first, you know, female in your family to go to college, to be the the only black in the classroom, or the only black at work, or the only black at the conference table, or the first black boss—all these things that um, I thought would be interesting points to uh, to uh, share, mm -hmm. so that my kids and my grandchildren will kind of know what life was like for for me. Right. Um, a lot of times when we hear our stories, they're always laced with drugs and, and crime and, 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 you know, murder and all those things. But I, none of that, I, even though drugs were in the area and in my family as well, mm -hmm. it wasn't my lifestyle. And I wanted to share just an average story, you know, and show how extraordinary average life can be coming right. from one place and moving to another. You know, Absolutely. California is a big, beautiful state. And it was a journey to, to move here and a, and a real risk right. as well to just kind of say, I'm going to leave my family in Michigan and move all the way out here. Absolutely. So, um, right. That, and you made me think of something um, where um, it's almost a mixed blessing. And mm -hmm. it's something that um, people with small kids that we talk about all the time. And we talk about how now that, you know, with all of this education, you know, we have these degrees and, you know, very upwardly mobile black people. Mm -hmm. So we're able to put our children in situations and expose them to things that we weren't mm -hmm. able to be exposed to. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the curse of that is they're isolated. Yes. They don't always see people in these situations mm -hmm. that look like them. Mm -hmm. And although as a parent, it makes you feel good to be able to expose your children to things it's almost like oh my god but how is my child really doing right. when they're in this situation and there's nobody that looks like them and we just talk about all the time just kind of the mixed blessing that we find ourselves in now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have all this more money and disposable income and you know because despite what some people may think all black people don't live in the ghetto mm -hmm. and all black people are not struggling <laughs> there's a book coming right? <laughs> really? all black people don't live in the ghetto um very upwardly more doing extremely well living mm -hmm. the American dream and again our children are in situations where they're not around anybody that looks like them you're a mother I'm a mother what kind of advice would you give to those of us that have small children again how do you reconcile that well I love that you wear your hair natural 
And that's a great thing for your daughter to see and witness every day and see how beautiful you are and can see herself in you. Um, I would say listen to them very closely because I think they give you little signals when mm. that you don't really know that it's eating their self-esteem and mm. they don't really know it's eating their self-esteem mm. but it's just some things that they want like uh, for example if they prefer you know blonde dolls over black dolls mm. <laughs> or if they prefer they always want to get their hair straightened or right. things like that in terms of girls mm. and, and the kind of same with boys but not necessarily hair things mm. it's just um, how they're being referred to by their friends mm. what do they call them mm. do they pick on them mm. do they kind of slap them around mm. like I had a situation once with my son and I saw this kid just kind of you know hitting on him and I'm like mm, what, what is that about Not you know acceptable what, yeah right. so um, and it was playful but yes. I, the, the hand to face I, that could be a subtle way to and the kid didn't know he's doing that yes. necessarily because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the intellect to know what that can cause right but um, for my son it's like no that's not gonna happen okay that's a great point <laughs> yeah. and so we are watch their play watch and listen their play. to their words okay. and look at their preferences for things that they even watch want to watch on TV and stuff okay. if it's always the other then there's something that you need to intercede on and hopefully you know, steer them to self-love. Got it. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break Mm -hmm. and we will be right back and we will talk more about 50 years of assimilation. Thank you. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Welcome back to Real Talk with Terry, and we're going to keep the conversation going. So you do workshops as well, right? Yes. Um, I, um, after doing a few readings, people would come up to me and ask me more about the black experience, um, white Americans primarily, and they wanted to really like engage. And so I saw an opportunity there to create something where they would have that opportunity to engage and find out. Um, about what it's like for us and also to find out their hidden biases. Actually, all of our hidden biases, because we all have them, whether we're conscious or subconscious, you know, we have them um, by virtue of being, you know, members of this society. They're there. (laughs) And I want to reference something. I was actually reading about your workshops, which sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. And you make mention of an individual wall. Mm -hmm. Could you just talk a little bit about what that means in an individual wall? I think um, that we all have walls. There's, and some of them are for our own protection, but some of them are um, have been programmed in us, and it's not the way it is. Like we judge instantly, like we blink and we figured out who people are just on a, t- a two second glimpse, glimpse, you know, and um, that's a wall. Mm-hmm. That's a wall, okay. and we all have them again. And some of them 
are for good reasons. Like we, we're not in the flight and response world that we think we are necessarily. Right. People aren't walking around just ready to take you down every second of right. every day. <laughs> oh. uh, but if you're walking on the street at night by yourself and you know mm -hmm. people are coming your way, then there's there's a reason to be a little bit nervous. Perhaps if you're alone and it's you know in an area that you're unfamiliar with, then mm -hmm. it's appropriate. But just in your you know average day of op daily um, regular operations, mm -hmm. you know, there's not that fear. And people, just because they look different, don't mean that they're different. It Absolutely. just means that they look different. And they right. may have come from a different corner of the planet, but everybody wants to be, uh, have a place to live, food to eat, shelter. They want to have, um, be appreciated by the folks around them and they want to work. Absolutely. And, and I'm just going to be a little petty. I'm going to be um, <laughs> petty patty right now. And something that really, really irritates me, be, again, people just make assumptions we have a wall, is when I'm in a grocery store or whatever, shopping, and people will have their purse in the basket and they're just doing their shopping, which that's unsafe anyway to have your purse or your wallet mm -hmm. in the basket and not on your person. Mm -hmm. And then they see me coming down the aisle and they all of a sudden try to make their way back to their basket and they grab their purse or they grab their wallet. And I'm thinking, if you had all that money in your wallet in the first place, why are you leaving it in the basket? And mm. why are you grabbing it when you see me come down the aisle? And sometimes I just think, if you only knew, trust me, <laughs> I'm not concerned with what's in your purse. little purse or wallet. Trust me. I'm sorry, you have that experience. <laughs> you typically hear about that with our men, right? Oh, so. I, and it has happened multiple times. Wow. And and then it, but and I've heard other women. I, I had another Facebook friend. She that's one of her pet peeves, and and she kind of vented about it on mm -hmm. Facebook. Like it irritates her when people do that. And I'm like, oh my god, me too. And I'm like, I don't want your purse. But anyway, again, we have those walls and we make assumptions mm -hmm. about people that we know nothing about, but just because of how they look or mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. and we just, the wall goes up. So, so I know mm -hmm. that your workshops are very educational. And what, what could people stand to learn when they walk away, when they attend and then walk away from one of your workshops? Well, we do no more than 30 participants at a time because we want to keep it uh, intimate. Absolutely. We don't want people to feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity for um, whites and blacks to get together mm -hmm. and just share their lives. And it's very structured. There are six um, different um, modules that I introduced to the, to the, to the participants. Mm -hmm. And they get an opportunity to learn some history. Okay. They get an opportunity to see, um, unconceal some of the biases that they may not be aware of, again, mm -hmm. whether they're subconscious or conscious of them. Mm -hmm. They get an opportunity to interact um, with folks that they might not normally interact, and mm -hmm. it's a real honest and open environment. Right. And um, and they have homework. They okay. get an opportunity to create something that will have them have the breakthrough that they're going to have in the workshop, and then take that out into their lives. On Absolutely. A daily basis, so. And real quick, if you could just give your either website or web link mm -hmm. so that people can look you up to actually find out when you're going to do another workshop, that would be great. My next one is scheduled for Saturday, February the 18th okay. in Oakland, downtown at Oakland School for the Arts. Okay. And you can find out details about that on my Facebook page. Which so is? Facebook.com slash 50 years of assimilation. One last question. Okay, now we're 50 years later, <laughs> 50 years after Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. And 
if Dr. King was still alive, um, my first question is, what would he have to say about the Black Lives Matter movement? And do you think that this is the America that he dreamed of? And I just want to preface that with a quote from Malcolm X that I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Malcolm X made a quote, said a quote, said something where he said, 50 years from now, the Negro will still be marching. Wow. And no truer words. Before 68, because that's when he was murdered. So. <laughs> no truer words were ever said. Right. Yeah. Because we are. Technically, we're still marching for the same thing. It's like, okay, are we in 1963? Or are we in 2013? Or well, we're in 2017. Right. We're handling the business that didn't get handled in 63. Um, I think Dr. King would be on the front lines of Black Lives Matter. Um, and. Um, Wow. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I have to pause because it's like I'm having my kids the same dilemma that, you know, I was born into. So Absolutely. I know. It's kind of, it's, it's disheartening, but we have to just maintain the faith because like you said, it's like we have, we are on the other side, but we still have a long way to go. And, and sometimes it is very disheartening. But we just have to keep looking up and, and just know that. I would like the Civil Rights Act to become a civil rights law. Why is mm. it an act, not a, a law? And the Voting mm -hmm. Rights Act, why is it? And why are we still hmm. even debating one person, one vote? Right. So it's a just educate me and people out there. What's the difference between an act and a law? It has to be reviewed. Uh, the, the, the act, act right. has and to be reviewed. It's not a law. A law okay. is more powerful and yes. it's, it's longstanding and it's there. So an act is not um, something that is the law. It's set in stone. Yeah. The as, law is set in stone. As like you static. have the right to freedom of speech. That's, mm -hmm. that's a law. That's not an act. Okay. Yeah. So it's nothing that we have to revisit and say, hey, should I, you know, exercise my right of free speech or wow. the right to bear arms? Absolutely. <laughs> I have the right to vote. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and the right to live and seek a peaceful life. Yeah. Interesting. I, I never even thought about it that way, but you bring up a good point. Mm -hmm. um, and as we get ready to kind of wrap this up in closing, is there anything else that you would like to share or that you want people to know about either 50 years of assimilation or just race relations or just or whatever? Well, again, it's my story um, and it has history in it in terms of the things that happen um, in the country nationally, but I share how it impacted me as an individual. So it's my own self-study on how the Organization of America has, you know, uh, played out in my life. Um, it's actually a call to love. It's not, mm. it's not about blaming anybody for this or that. It's like, this is what happened. This is how I responded to it. And, and here's what I'm posing to you as a reader. It's like, mm. can we do better? Is there more for us to do? So, um, as I said earlier, all of the letters are um, written to Dr. King. It's a series of letters to him, but at the very end, in the last section called What's the Future, mm -hmm. um, there's a letter to President Obama before you leave office. He, it's written a couple of years ago, yes. so it was before he was um, out of office. <gasps> there's a Dear Black People letter that mm -hmm. I address our fellow citizens to, like, let's look at how we do this and, you know, come to terms on some things. Mm -hmm. Dear African immigrants, because mm -hmm. I have a special letter to them. Yes. Dear really white people, and those were the folks that don't think that there is a race problem. Right. 
um, and then Dear Everybody Else. Mm -hmm. So it's a book for everyone. It's not just for black people. It's not just for white people. It's for any and everybody who had to or are in process right now of assimilating. <laughs> we do have a large refugee community. Mm -hmm. um, and then the final letter is Dear God, no, mm -hmm. not another 50 years of race. Oh, wow. So like, let's like really like stop. Yes. Let's stop. It's, yes. it's a construction. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. We all can do better. Mm -hmm. We can be better to really make this the America that we want. And the change actually starts with us. Exactly. We can't change individual people. Mm -hmm. The only people that we can truly change is us. Mm -hmm. And if we want better, we have to be better. And I'm going to just share. I don't know how this is going to translate when <laughs> I get up and sit back down. But I just want to share a poster that my son ah. actually carried in a march that we did oh. on MLK Day. Oh, this was nice. my son's little <laughs> sign and it has MLK Day. It says injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Mm -hmm. One of Dr. King's quotes and my son we put I am the dream nice. because we are the dream. Are. You are the dream. <laughs> and um, you know just in closing um, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening today to our um, special Black History program. And Black History is not just during the month of February. Black History is, is every, every, day. Day. every day. Black History is interwoven mm -hmm. into American history. And it's kind of world a shame. Mm -hmm. The world, absolutely, you hit the nail right mm -hmm. on the head. Not just American history, but world history. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't just set aside February to appreciate the contributions that African Americans and Black people and people of color have made to the world mm -hmm. but we should do that all the time all because the time. we have made amazing contributions not just black people but people of color in general and I just want to call out just some names of some black history some black history pioneers this is not a comprehensive list there will never be a comprehensive mm -hmm. list because you know what you're making black history i'm making black history you guys are making black histories all the sheroes and heroes mm -hmm. that you kind of mentioned mm -hmm. in our family and that in our community mm -hmm. that you will never hear of that we're all making black history but i just want to give Shouts out, and I just want to give thanks and homage to, you know, the trailblazers like Harriet Tubman, mm -hmm. Sojourner Truth, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Louis Latimer, Charles Drew, Booker T. Washington, Matthew Henson, Jack Johnson, Hattie McDaniel, Vivian Thomas, Buck O'Neill, Gwendolyn Brooks, John, Bax John Baxter Taylor, Vernon Baker, Bill Russell, Ben Carson, mm -hmm. Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, the Sugar Hill Gang, and Dr. Dre. <laughs> All trailblazers. <laughs> but lest I forget, President Barack and First Lady Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. And again, you, you and you, we are all everyday heroes and sheroes that do extraordinary work. We're all a part of black history mm -hmm. and black history is still being made. So let's not just celebrate, celebrate that black history in the month of February, but let's celebrate it 365 days of the year because black history is American history is world history. So with that, I just want to say thank you for tuning in mm -hmm. and have a great day and God bless you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you, Terry. This has been great. <laughs> it's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you.